is really going to do it for us. Do you know that you can now buy a uh, Love It or Leave It America sign for your bumper in the back that's lit up and has fluorescent bulbs in it? And you can press a button, see, when some smart guy goes past and he's got a bumper sticker you don't like, you know, like, uh, you know, hooray for the yippies, or, uh, you know, Abby Hoffman for God. And you just reach over and you press your button, see, and it lights up in red, white, and blue fluorescent light. It says, uh, Love it or leave it. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of like that. I, yeah, there's been a lot of wonderful developments lately that I, I appreciate uh, really much. You know, for, for tonight, for example, we are, we're going to do a very special salute to New Jersey. That uh, There's been some important developments in New Jersey. One of my spies who, uh, and I have right here before me, I have the evidence. There it is. Uh, this is going into my vast file of trivia. He's one of my spies. And he says, Shepard, he said, there's been a great shift in the state of New Jersey recently, and the people of the world should know about it. Uh, you know, there's an old slogan that says, as Maine and, uh, what is it, Maine, what's the other state goes, so goes the nation, as Maine and Vermont, isn't it? Which is one of those great canards, which has never been true. Maine and Vermont have gone their own way for 5,000 years, and nobody else has gone that way, thank God for all of us. However, <laughs> there's been this whole thing, you know, as Maine and Vermont so goes the nation. And there's an expression that uh, in Jersey, too, that says, as Jersey goes, so goes the world in a few years. Help and help us. Uh, that's <laughs> that, you know, I, I didn't invent it. I don't make up news. It's, uh, this was a slogan of one of, the, uh, one of the Chamber of Commerces out on Route 3. And uh, they had it up in a big red, white, blue sign. I kind of thought it was nice. But uh, what, what we'd like to do here is to salute tonight a, a fantastic philosophical switch. Tremendous movement has developed in New Jersey. Yes, it is really a truly cosmic philosophical shift. Now, it's the kind of thing that is so large, so enormous, that even Johnny Carson wouldn't mention it on his show. You know, the really big things rarely get mentioned on the front page. The really big things. Now, there'll be a gigantic argument, you know, over whether uh, 
uh, some guy's going to get elected to the city council, you know, those big, big editorials. Two years from then, they don't even remember him, you know? I mean, uh, you don't think of A.B. much lately, do you? He was a big issue. <laughs> you know, so that, that's the way it goes, you know? Yeah, the, the big issues are, are rarely even uh, given, uh, even short shrift, as a matter. They're often given no shrift at all. Shrift, shrift, shift. What is it you give something? Short shrift? Or is it short shift? No, short shrift, right. A short shrift is a lady who's looking for business. But uh, nevertheless, swing awful short shrift. Or is it a shift? No, it's a shift. I'm sorry. It's getting confusing here. A lot of people get confused easy. Would you clear it up there with a little uh, mind-clearing music, will you please? A little mind-clearing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll clear it up there. Please reset that. My head's back in shape now. Boy, it was near. Boy, it gets close sometimes. I'll tell you, that, but that, nevertheless, it does. It, uh, have you ever felt yourself slipping over the edge? All of a sudden, you, you, I'm, I'm going crazy. I, I'm going, you know, it's, it's, it's all over for me. And you sit there in the chock full of nuts, and you're looking at the chocolate brownie in your hand. For one brief instant, you can't figure what the hell it is you got in your hand and why you ordered it. What you doing here? You look around, you see a lot of other people grazing at the same trough, and uh, you sit there for a while and you shake your head. <sighs> it's close. I must remember that chocolate brownie at this moment is important. I say, and a lot of, <laughs> but it's quite true that, uh, that madness is always accompanying all of us like a quiet shadow, moving behind us on cat's feet. And they're ready to pounce at any moment now. And, uh, of course, it's difficult to tell these days whether madness is the true sanity or whether sanity is the true madness. For example, a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, semesters back, I picked up the New York Times. Now, the New York Times is a, an eminently sane newspaper, right, according to Contemporary Lights. Agreed? And by the way, uh, are you one of the Contemporary Lights out there? Is your bulb getting a little dim? Is, uh, you know, maybe your batteries need changing or something, but <laughs> according to contemporary lights, which is a great phrase, I don't know what it means, but it sounds good, uh, the New York Times is an eminently sane newspaper, correct? All the news is fit to print, and the key word, of course, is fit. Uh, if you're not fit to print, you just won't make it. I, I, it's just terrible. I, I, I one time had the occasion to talk to a guy that's, that slew six with axe in Brooklyn. And he did. He actually did. He, you know, he just whipped out his Boy Scout axe and zap. That was the end of the ball game. He was on page 48 of the Times under a truss ad. And he was really bugged. He says, what in the hell can a guy do these days to get in the paper? And uh, that's the way it is. The important events rarely get, uh, you know, really, really get the, the attention they deserve. And in the Times, there was a piece that said, and I was sitting there, you know, sometimes you get you, you, you don't credit your senses. And I was sitting there quietly in the dentist office there, which is a place where often you will, from time to time, question your sanity. And uh, yes, indeed, this is this, uh, kind of a modern purgatory when you're in the dentist office. You're very aware when you're in a dentist office of your morality. Very aware. Actually, it's more mortality that you're aware of. It's the morality, though, that bothers you ultimately. But you're sitting there in the front of that little room there, and, and you're aware of your mortality, which uh, we we, gener we generally reject that, you know. We we stay away from places like dentists and places where they examine eyes and measure whether your foot's getting littler or something like that. See, because mortality involves the slow disintegration of the body animal. You don't want to know about that. See, so you're sitting in the in the uh, in the ante room. And what's worse uh, at a dentist? It's it's dry rot that's getting you. You see, if it was anything else, like you know, like boll weevils or earthworms or something, <laughs> you know, eating away, you'd feel better about it. But it's it's rot. You're rotting away. See, and so I'm sitting in the in the room there, 
That's right. You can call him what you want. The polite name is Carrie's. Now, it's, it's, it's dry rot that's happening. That's what's happening. You're beginning to fall apart. And it's just like rust. You see the bottom of a car rusting out, and all the springs are hanging out the bottom. Well, that's what's happening to you, you know? And uh, only, you know, they, they come up with all these trick toothpaste that are supposed to, you know, fix it all up. Like they come up with a trick putty that you can put on the places of the dry rot on the car. That doesn't help anything. It doesn't, doesn't fool anything. It's, uh, you're still rotten. So, nevertheless, you're... <laughs> the sickening show here. I don't know what I'm doing this to you for. But uh, you're sitting in the dentist room there in the... Uh, I've had some great insights in the waiting room in the dentist's office. Great insights. Because there you're suspended in that place. You're, no, you're not yet in the operating room where, you know, this is where the inferno is. And uh, on the other hand, you're not out there in the sunshine where the happy people are walking around, you know, looking at the sun and the birds are twittering around. You are waiting. You're in purgatory. And so I'm sitting there. That's right. That's, that's the eternal hell. I'm sitting there waiting, see. And I can hear the screams of the damned and the and the and the uh, doomed coming out of the next room. You know, once in a while, you hear, you know, this guy lets out a yell. And then you hear a little murmur of the doctor saying, it's all right. It's okay. It's only a nerve. It's all right. And ah, he goes again. And then I hear, he's pouring down into this guy's, you know, right into his cranium with this with this evil drill. And I'm sitting there uh, waiting my chance, you see, just waiting for him to get his claws on me so he can go to work. And uh, I'm looking at the times. I figure, you know, I'll, I'll get a little sanity in my life by looking at the times. And they have, you know, the usual front page stuff. Uh, Mayor Lindsay's making a speech about some, some nothing thing, you know. And uh, I'm just leafing through the paper. And I'm, actually what I'm doing is looking for the... Uh, for the crossword puzzle. Have you noticed that there's a growing a growing crowd of crossword puzzle hijackers that go around and actually clip crossword puzzles right out of the paper? Have you seen that? That's terrible, I'll tell you. I, I, it, it ruined an entire weekend for me here a couple of months ago. I went over, you know, and I bought this paper, that, you know, the Sunday paper of the Times. So the only reason I buy it is for this crossword puzzle. All that other stuff, you know, that, all that stuff about real estate and all that jazz, you know, the news of the world in review and all that stuff. You know, that's all great stuff, see. <laughs> Especially if you got a, you know, if you got a lot of fires to start and stuff, you can use it. But nevertheless, uh, I, I, you know, you can buy here in town. If you don't live in town, you don't know what a, what a giant the New York Times has become, especially on the weekend. That an ordinary man cannot carry it unaided. Uh, you know, just like, you know, walking on the street with a paper under your arm. It weighs too much. Uh, they, they get them at 20, 30, 40 pounds sometimes. And you get fat and round. And they fall apart right there in front of you. You know, you got it in your, under your arm. And not, not the, so you now can buy a New York Times Sunday edition carrier at Hamaker Schlemmer. And it comes in tool leather. You just strap it over your shoulder. And the Times clamps in there, see. And it's sort of like a backpack you can carry it home. And uh, I, I had my Hamaker Schlemmer Times carrier, and I was walking home with the Times. I felt good. You know, the whole weekend was made. I got there. And I was ready. And uh, big, fat Times. Well, I got to the pad there, and I started to look through the Times. And, uh, what, what a true, a true, uh, when you got the monkey on your back, the crossword puzzle monkey on your back, you don't, you, don't, you don't just rush into it and grab the paper and rip through it and you grab the Times crossword puzzle. You, you, you go into it gently, see. Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like an alcoholic. He doesn't grab the bottle and just gulp it down. See, he sits it in front of him, looks at it for a while, and his soul uh, begins to know peace. And uh, he sees that great big bottle of J&B then, see, and he, t he opens the cork and he takes a sniff of it, see, and he knows he can see, you know, future delirium tremens and all that, you know. So uh, he, he anticipates it. He, he, 
It, you know, it feels it coming on. Well, I'm, I'm working my way through the time, see? I'm just flipping away. I finally get back to the magazine section, see? Now my pulse is quickening at this point. Uh, it is quickening, and I feel uh, I feel excitement roaring through my gut. And I, I, I go back to, you know, there's always uh, 57 articles on the drug problem. Uh, there's uh, endless articles on slum clearance and the uh, happy family in Brooklyn finally solved the integration problem, and I go through this, you know. Then there's the angry letters to the editors, always taking issue with the PhDs, a written book about the, the true nature of Wellington and the why Waterloo was truly a fiasco ultimately. So I go, you know, this is important stuff. So I'm going through all this, and I finally, you know, I, go, I get back in the place where they got the summer camps, you know, the summer camps where kids go to lose weight. Oh, boy. Have you noticed that summer camps have become like that? No summer camp is no longer says, it's fun. Come and let the Fred fool around his summer and whittle stuff and mess around in the lake and uh, go down and holler at the chicks across the lake at the girls and all that. No, that's all over. Summer camps now have to have a moral reason, a raison d'etre. It says, uh, I lost 30 pounds at Camp Yippie. You know, it shows this kid holding his pants out. See, he lost 30 pounds. You can imagine this poor little guy. They got him in a cage. You know, they, they, they'll, they'll, you'll lose weight quickly. You know, they throw him a, a shredded wheat once every three days. And, <laughs> and, and <laughs> then they have a summer camp. It says, it says uh, learn to uh, give your child the, uh, the feeling of good, natural, honest, hard labor in the fields. Says the yes, uh, the kibitz camp. See, <laughs> poor little kid. You know, he gets out of school after his head has been dry rotting for months, trying to figure out what the, you know, the meaning of the Punic Wars were, and and he winds up in the summer camp. The next thing you know, he's on his knees in a bed of radishes, and there's an overseer walking around. Says, "You guys will all have a ten-minute break in one half hour. I want to see a lot of radishes moving here. I want to see all them weeds. Got it? Oh, there. Come on, kid. Get moving over there." And the poor little kid, you know, spends his summer crawling up and down the radish patch, learning the feeling of honest labor. Do you, have you seen those camps? Love to go to one of those. Love to go. There's, uh, there's, <laughs> there's camps where uh, they have an hour of, of psychiatric adjustment every morning, you know. If, if your kid's uh, seeing birds flying in the chandelier every day and, and there ain't no birds in the chandelier, well, you send him to Camp Bird out in the chandelier, which is an old Indian name. And every half hour, he will, he will get the... Little psychiatric adjustment. It's a fun summer camp. Uh, speaking of us, uh, this is WOR, New York. And we're here. <laughs> we'll help you. Heading down the highway towards a lazy summer sky. Burning sun shining down on me. Left me kind of dry. A movement among people who want to do something personally about the problems that face us. It's called action. Action gives concerned Americans a chance to volunteer to work with people who want help. 
Action is Peace Corps, serving and developing nations around the world. Action is VISTA, serving in communities here at home. Action is foster grandparents, helping children in need throughout the country. Action is SCORE, retired executives counseling small businessmen. Action is all this and more. It's thousands of Americans from all walks of life working together face-to-face where it really makes a difference. Maybe Action can help in your community. Or you may want to join Action, using your knowledge and ability where they are most needed. Find out how you can be part of this new movement. Write Action, Washington, D.C., 20525. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I'm, I'm sitting there actually looking at the Times, and I go through this paper, and, uh, and I come to the, uh, to the place where, you know, the back of the, of the magazine section where you can see all the, uh, all the silly stuff starts to develop in the back of the Times. There are little things in the bottom that says, I am doing a, a Dear Times. Have you noticed those little things in the bottom that says, Dear Times, I am doing a massive study of Fig Newton County in lower Tennessee. Anyone with information on the, on the history and the early folk cultures of Fig Newton County, please contact me. And uh, <laughs> you can see this poor guy on a life work that's going to sell four copies, ultimately, and three of them to his agent. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, who got the other one? That's one of the great mysteries. As always, somebody will steal any kind of book, friend. That <laughs> was stolen in transit. However, uh, I, I'm reading through the paper, see, and I'm getting all excited now because when you approach the the uh, uh, the, the moment of, of the, seeing the new puzzle, it's exciting. It's, it's virginal there, and, and and a new puzzle, particularly the Sunday edition of the Puzzle of the Times, gives you a sense of a new start. It is a new start. It's like a new year. You know the myth that uh, after every new year. Uh, you know, it's, it's January 1st, and the bells go off and the whistles blow, that you've got a clean slate, you can start over new, forget it. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, this is one of those myths. Well, you always have the feeling that you're going to beat this week's New York Times puzzle because you're starting out even with everybody. And then you take your pen up, you know, and you look down at your ballpoint, you're all ready to go. And you look at number one across, it says a six-letter word, meaning... Uh, the wristbone of an ancient Egyptian bird, now extinct. Obsolete. So what the hell do they put in the puzzle that's obsolete for? Well, then you figure, well, nobody else is getting that, and that's what budget. Fifteen people within eight feet of your cottage, your cabin, wherever it is you're doing this, your apartment, are just writing it down. Ah, there's no, there's no substitute for talent. And there's no substitute for no talent. When you have no talent, you know it. So, uh, and you can't do anything about it. So I'm sitting there, see, working on the, I'm, I'm working on that excitement. I'm going to get the puzzle this week. And I turn the pages. I keep looking. I keep turning the pages. All those summer camps shows all these girls flying over jumps, you know, on the horses and stuff, you know. I keep going down. I'm at the end. There's been no puzzle. I said, well, I must have. Uh, <laughs> I must have overlooked it, uh, you know, my excitement to read about Camp Nabawawanaki here. So I turn it back over, and I start from the front, see? And I read, uh, and, the, and the, there's a... That, always in last, in, in, in extremis, I will look up in the, the, uh, <laughs> in the table of contents, what is in this week's Times, you know? It says, uh, section 14X, uh, page 29D. They have all these little codes. You know, half of those pages, you can never find them. So uh, it says, uh, magazine section, puzzle. Okay, page 59. 
All right, but start at the top. So I start going. One after the other, I go through the pages. I hit page 58. I flip it over. I'm now on page 60. Where's 59? I go back to the beginning. I start at 57. I said, there's no 59. Did those... Did those thinks at the Times print me a phony, second-rate, miserable Times that had, you know, the guts of it were gone? Everybody, you know, I got all the wrapping, but I didn't get the guts, the crossword puzzle. Did Will Wing do it to me again? And then I saw somebody. I was the victim of a new type of vandalism and crime in New York. And if you haven't fallen to this yet, if it hasn't happened to you yet... You will not know how irritating it is until it happens to you. This sounds trivial. But I, I looked at this thing carefully, and I saw that somebody had just taken either one of these, had taken a very sharp knife or a razor blade and just, whoosh, no crossword puzzle. I got all those potatoes and no meat. It's gone. It was in there. I could see where it was in there. You know, you could see the little stub of the page sticking out. There it was. But the puzzle is gone. I want to tell you, that was a mean weekend. I, you know, I rushed down to the, to the stand over there, you know, <laughs> over on Sheridan Square. I says, hey, I'm five, five times. Guy says, you ain't got no more. Out of him. I said, I came on crossword puzzle. Don't give me a crossword puzzle. You got to write the time, didn't you? I started to look no crossword puzzle. Yeah, get out of here, egghead, yeah, intellectual type. So, you know, what can you do? You can't you can't argue with an ape. No way. I had been the victim of, of a new sneaking now what you, what's happening? I'll tell you this. I know what's happening. Guys are steeding those crossword puzzles and they're taking them over to state line. They're doing the big sealed trucks, and they're taking them out to places like Chicago and Pittsburgh where they don't get the Times puzzle. And a Times puzzle, listen, a, a Times, believe me, a, a Times puzzle cuckoo, especially on the Sunday, would buy the puzzle if they, even if they stopped making the Times. <laughs> if it came in one little piece of paper, it's a 50 cents. He'd buy it. Oh, yeah, you're, you're hooked, you're hooked. And so I'm sitting in, a, in this, getting back to the story. You didn't think I'd get back there, did you? I'm sitting in the waiting room, right? And I'm looking at the Times. Going, trying to go back to the puzzle, see? Uh, and rarely in a waiting room do you find a Times with a puzzle that hasn't been desecrated in some way. I mean, some slob has, you know, started it with a, with a big fat pen. You can see he's, he's strictly, you know, there's the type you know should stick with the Daily News puzzle. I mean, I hate overreachers. There's nothing I hate worse than that. You know, <laughs> some puzzles, you know, have only short four-letter words, often the kind you see on walls. And so, nevertheless... Uh, I, I, I'm looking through the times, and I can hear this guy in the next room, ah! and I hear the drill, ah! and you can see the smoke coming out, you know, from, from where this guy's drilling down, the guy's married, you can see the smoke coming out from under the, under the room there, under the, under the door, seeing the dentist once more, excuse me, he says, hold it there, uh, Miss Grubbage, please, uh, more anesthetic, please, and they're shooting and more with stuff, and I'm waiting, I had a terrible moment of insight. I'm looking at a, at a copy of the New York Times. It has all the usual stuff on the front page, you know, going through there, politics, political speeches, great issues, so forth. Way back in the second section, if you think I'm exaggerating, 
Uh, I can give you the uh, I can give you the date and the and the volume of the Times way back in the second section, almost on the last page. There's a little a little little column on the side there, way back there amid the uh, Abraham and Strauss ads. You know, it says uh, scientist discovers ninety five percent of solar system missing. Ninety five percent of the solar system. It's on the back. What is this? It says yes, a famous scientist uh, making. Uh, Calculations at the uh, astronomical uh, laboratories in England and this uh, vast uh, computerized system they have now of calculating the solar system discovers that 95% of the solar system, which had previously felt was there, is nothing but a big void. It is not there. Oh my God. That means only 5% of the solar system is there. And it's back in the back pages of the Times. I says, i got to hear more news about this. We're liable to be next. Where did it go? I mean, what part of the solar system must be something out there in the dark eating it up or something, you know? No, you can't tell. I mean, for all we know, we could be just part of a little uh, little fungus growth. You know, we really could be. You ever thought about it that way? I mean, things so unimaginably big and enormous over us that we can't comprehend them. Something's eating the solar system. Well, of course, there I am, shaking there. After the hell with the Times puzzle, you know, this is this is big news. If the solar system's going up, it's level to be me and everybody any minute now, you know. I wanted to run to the street, you know, and holler, hey, it's coming. What's coming? I don't know. It's coming. It's eating it up. Eating what up? The solar system. Get ready. It's coming. I sat down. I do that. Man, today, there's no Paul Revere's today. If you were a Paul Revere, people think you're some kind of a kook. You know, you'd wind up on a Johnny Carson show being interviewed with Jane Fonda. You know, so you don't want to be any Paul Revere today. So I'm sitting there. I could hear the guy screaming in the next room. And I figured, well, you know, my uh, this this uh, this the fact that I am uh, I am experiencing like all the rest of my fellow man. I'm experiencing a touch of rot here and there. I mean, uh, is of, of small consequence compared to what's happening to the solar system. So I walked into that. I walked into that office when the dentist says, uh, uh, "Your turn. You're next." And they were carrying out the other victim. You know, I could see him. He was he was twitching. You know, they're carrying him out on this this uh, little stretcher that straps over his chest and all that stuff. And they brought me in, and I walked in. I walked in absolutely ready. Walked in with with head high. Yes, the solar system is disappearing. It's in the Times. They wouldn't have printed it if it wasn't true, right? 95% is gone. So it matters not what happens today in this little swivel leather chair. Doctor, do your damnedest. Go. <laughs> and I could see he was disappointed. Somehow, the look of fear in the eye of a patient must give a... Must give a really good dentist a sense of satisfaction, you know? Must be terrible to be King Kong and nobody's afraid. Everybody starts feeding the bananas and stuff. So, oh, isn't he cute? Look at him. It's the biggest, <laughs> biggest grill I ever saw. Look at him. 40 stories high. Oh, nice. Yeah. King Kong. Yeah, yes. Little satisfaction deeper than the soul breast of all of us. Mark. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Reset that, please. Important uh, philosophical changes have come about in the state of New Jersey, which I am I'm going to report if it kills me. Very important. And that's why I say you won't hear this anywhere else. Do you realize... Well, all right. I will, I will approach it head on. That this spy of mine sent me the actual form. This is the oath of allegiance which all teachers must sign in the state of New Jersey. 
the oath of allegiance. And he sent this to me. He says, and Shepard, this is fabulous things are happening in Jersey. Great philosophical shifts have occurred. He said, just a few months ago, the form which you have in your hand is the form that all people who went to work in the Jersey school system had to sign. He said, there are several significant phrases. Read it all. So I picked, I haven't, I haven't taken an oath in a long time. See, so I, I like to practice taking oaths once in a while. You know, important people take oaths. You see, you know, guys that are elected president, they're always taking oaths and stuff like that. Nobody rushes in and says, take an oath, shepherd, put your hand up. Here's the Bible. You know, it's there. And so there it says, oath of allegiance. You have to fill it in yourself. It says, please print last name, first name, middle name. Middle name it says, number, street, city, state, zip code. You have to fill all this in, see. Somehow I like oaths that are that are done with quill pen and all that kind of stuff. This looks a little cut and dry, but it's it's a mimeographed oath. It's not bad, as oaths go today. It says, Oath of Allegiance. I, blank. Let's take uh, the name of uh, Charles W. Dildock. I, Charles W. Dildock. Let's say he's, he's got to be a Jerseyite, right? I'm not doing a Jerseyite. i got to do a Jerseyite. I, Charles W. Dildock, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of New Jersey, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same and to the governments established in the United States and in this state under the authority of the people, so help me God. Signed, Charles W. Tiltock. Sworn and subscribed to me before me this day of blank, 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 A.D. 19, blank, name of official administrating oath, and name of official and title of official uh, affixing the seal hereunto and thereto. Well, that sounds like a pretty straightforward oath, doesn't it? Except for one thing. Next to the phrase, so help me God, is a little asterisk. And underneath it, it says, optional. Just a few months ago, God was optional in the state of New Jersey. God was optional. Now, the state wasn't optional, and the Constitution wasn't optional, but God was optional. Now, the asterisk has been removed. New Jersey has changed in a vast philosophical switch, and now God is once more mandatory and is no longer optional in the state of New Jersey. God is making a comeback. And so tonight, we would like to... We would like to salute the state of New Jersey. The state of New Jersey, quietly in its own garden state manner, marches forward in the philosophical jungle, clearing the undergrowth. Yes, clearing the littoral of crabgrass and approaching once again the great basic fundamental fates of those who created the world, the nation, the land, the western the Western civilization that we know today. God is back in the saddle in the state of New Jersey. God rides high over Trenton. God, in all of his infinite wisdom, has now paused briefly and noticed New Brunswick on the turnpike that said, I am with thee. You know, isn't it, isn't it kind of sad that God has an asterisk next to his name like Roger Maris? <laughs> you don't know who Roger Maris is or, or, or you don't know who God was. <laughs> Which one? 
But I, I just thought it's kind of funny. You know, can you imagine the big arguments going on over the water cooler there in the state house where they take the asterisk out and to delete the phrase uh, optional? No. It was only for a few short months, and according to my my informant here, I have a note here. It says uh, it says just for a few. It says the enclosed forms were used for only a few months due to the fact that God is today no longer optional in Jersey. Notice that these forms, God was optional. Previous to this form, the sentence, so help me God, was not annotated on the oath form. So for a time, God was optional. Now he, in capital letters, is deemed necessary. He asks a question. <laughs> I wonder what Sir Thomas More, a man of all seasons, which played in all the New Jersey turnpike and otherwise uh, drive-ins, uh, Thomas More, a man of all seasons, would have thought of this. So help me God, optional. Why? <laughs> Why, Henry VIII wouldn't have even tried that one. But, uh, but the, it is, it is, can you, can, can you imagine, though, some guy out of, out of a previous age, you know, where, where uh, I mean, a real, uh, genuinely previous age, we tend to think that every five years a whole new age has begun, a whole new era. Well, this is a pure balderdash. It's <laughs> a good phrase, you don't try that one. Pure balderdash, that it takes hundreds of years for a whole new phase in history to actually begin. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, no, uh, that, that I would say that, that, that the phase of history that we are in right now, you know, this phase, and uh, it'll come for later people to name it. I don't know what they're going to name it. You know, this, uh, well, you know how they always name phases of history, like the Age of Reason, the Age of Exploration, you know, these great names, uh, the, the, dark, the Dark Ages. They didn't know they were in the Dark Ages at the time. I mean, imagine a guy sitting down in his hut, and he's got his piece of bread, He's got a little fish there he's about to eat, and he's got a piece of dried fish, and he, he turns to his wife, see, and he says, uh, Amilda? And she says, yes, Gerth. His name is Gerth. He works with a guy named Wamba. She says, yes, Gerth. What sayest thou? He says, ah, so, ah, so good wife, it is hell to live in the dark ages. And she says, yes, that is true. So be it. And it is. It must have been hell to live in the dark ages. But then on the other hand, you know, uh, just a, a few years, you know, uh, removed from that time, a guy sitting there, and he turns to his friend, uh, uh, he turns to his friend uh, Alfredo. This is a, uh, somehow we always associate this time with guys named Alfredo. So, so Luigi turns to Alfredo and says, Luigi. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, he turns to him, he says, Luigi. And uh, Luigi says, what is it, Alfredo? He says, Luigi, we're living in the Renaissance. It's a renaissance period. It's an age of renaissance. Everyone is new. Everything's new. You sit around your pants. And he says, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you ever occurred to you that, that a guy sitting in the time of the renaissance didn't know they were having a renaissance? Hey, you know, renaissance from what? A renaissance. You know. And a guy in the age of reason. Can you imagine uh, two guys having an argument in the, in the age of reason? Uh, that the Louis, the, you know, during one of the Louis, you know, the age of reason when the great salons flourished, and uh, all the great wits and savants gathered on a Sunday afternoon in uh, all types of uh, uh, salons while somebody played uh, uh, a quiet harpsichord music in the background, and they discussed great issues. People like Stendhal and uh, you know all the great, the Voltaire and all the rest of them. Say, and so uh, one of them is, is down there, and he says to the other, he says, uh, "Be sooth, me lord." And the other one says, "What? What? What is this be sooth stuff?" He says, "Be sooth, me lord." You realize, you realize here, this, you cannot even make change properly. This is the age of reason. What are you trying to do? And, of course, once again, the man has failed his own age. Uh, that the, It's terrible to be in the Renaissance period and still believe in bat's wings and alchemy. 
<laughs> you know, here in the age of reason, you don't believe in reason. You believe in hitting guys in the mouth. Uh, in the age of exploration, there must have been a lot of guys who did not buy exploring. Can't you imagine Christopher Columbus? You know, he's arriving before Isabella there, and he says, Isabella, I wish to go discover the new world. And she says, uh, it's a very good idea, Chris. I will raise the money, and you can go to the new world. He says, ah, yes, but I'm trying to get other backers, but you know, they're all sticking the muds. They wish to stay around. All time. What, what's go, so good about the new world that you can't find here in Genoa, huh? I mean, we got everything there. We got nothing there. Nothing but weeds and Indians. And so that is the way it is in every given age. There's always one guy, maybe a hundred guys, maybe a million guys who refuse to accept the age. I mean, <laughs> they're not even part of it. So here we are. What is our age? What are, we, what are they going to call our age? We'll throw that up for grabs. Uh, what, would you th- what, what, uh, what would you two guys think? What do you think they're going to call our age? Seriously. I mean, they will. They, uh, by by uh, the year 2500, they will have named the time we are living in as a certain age. Man has this thing about naming, you know, the ages. He really does. I wonder, I wonder when that started, though. Now, now wait a minute. Now, that brings up an interesting question, Jerry. Seriously. When do you think it started, though, that people became this time conscious? That's a very interesting point. You know that the concept of progress, you know, that we use as if it's such a natural thing. The concept of progress is a quite new idea, and as a matter of fact, is not accepted in many, many, many parts of the world. So when you and I use the phrase progress, or when the Lindsay or some politician says, we must bring, we must hurry up the uh, process of progress, this is totally unknown in many parts. We don't even know what he's talking about. The progress is a largely Western idea, <laughs> and in fact, uh, uh, that's, that's a... Uh, that's one of the great revolutions that's going on in China. They're trying to instill the Chinese with that idea, which they didn't have for thousands and thousands of years, and it ain't coming easy. But uh, the idea of a progress is, 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 a, is a man-created idea. It is not a part of the natural order of things. You know, the things progress. Uh, do zebras progress? Uh, has the elephant progressed? Well, he has changed uh, by evolution, but that doesn't mean he's progressed. In some cases, he's gone the other way, you know. I mean, <laughs> some animals, like, like the, the reptiles, they, they, they ain't making it at all anymore. You know, they used to be fantastic. I mean, 150 feet long and seven stories high. Now what are they? You know, they're out there under the, under the weeds. But, uh, you know, garter snakes. But uh, nevertheless, the, the, uh, the, uh, the idea of progress. So what, what would we call our age? When did they start naming ages? I'm just curious, at what point did they start... I think that's a thing that started in America because we're very age-conscious, the most age-conscious civilization quite possibly in the history of the world. Uh, other, other nations have, have, uh, have made a big thing over, uh, say, age in the sense of worshiping uh, the elder, that kind of thing. But they were really worshiping wisdom. They were not necessarily worshiping age. Whereas, but in our, in our society, we worship... Uh, various types of chronological development for themselves, for their own sake. In fact, uh, the other day the, I, I was looking on a, on a magazine rack, and it was a, a magazine. It says uh, tips on on <laughs> it tips. It says tips on teen living. So I guess a guy who's walking around who's eighteen is busily involved in teen living, and he has to have tips on how to do it. You know, <laughs> that's a fascinating idea. And, 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 uh, so, so we're very, very hung on this. We're as hung on, on age as other 
societies, and even in our own country, other other generations, uh, were hung on things like, say, religion, where religion entered every phase of what they talked about. Uh, if you were if if you were if you were say going into a store and uh, to buy uh, some safety pins, somebody would say "God bless you" or "God be with you." They really did, and they meant it in those days because God was a very important part of their lives. Today, uh, chronological age is as much a part of our life as earlier religions, and I might say youth has become a religion in many ways. And so, uh, <laughs> the chronological attitude, the attitude towards chronological things is often really the same as religion was. It was magical. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, uh, it's got, it's got a meaning. Uh, people with youth are good, people without it are bad. Just like in religious days, people with religion were good, those without it were bad. And so the, the, the whole thing is, is, a, is a thing that's developed out of our time. And we're probably the first society that ever named, uh, that ever named uh, decades, like the Roaring Twenties. Uh, like the, uh, the 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 gay nineties and, and and yeah we named decades uh, you know the swinging sixties that was a great one remember that one uh, the the fabulous fifties they keep using and of course they're always good you know so all the uh, all the uh, all the names are always good the swinging sixties yeah uh, they never said the miserable seventies uh, <laughs> you know the the fat headed fifties the <laughs> the soppy sixties. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we do very seriously. Now, I'm sure already guys have prepared their magazine articles. and uh, There must be already in, 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 uh, in magazine files. They've already begun to work on pieces celebrating the 80s. Here it is, 1972. See? They've already done that. But, uh, so you remember when the 70s came in, all the pieces about the 70s? Like, there was a whole new era, just another year. You know, but there was a whole new thing. Now... Uh, uh, this this uh, this brings up a thought. The question is, how will our age be named? What, what will they say? You know, what will, what will our age be? And I'm talking about the age all the way from about 19. I would say that the modern age began probably around 1910, something like that. I, I suspect that the, that the the old world, uh, that old the old whole old world, the the world of of uh, so-called men of reason and honor, so-called men of uh, men of religion, the men of like Lincoln, all these people. Uh, that that was that was out of another age. Nothing to do with <laughs> with today, even though they invoke these guys' names occasionally. Nothing to do with today. And uh, I would say that this began about 1905, probably from reading history. Roughly, no, I'd say about the turn of the century, right about that time. And and the modern age that we live in, what are they going to call it? What, what will we be called? Do you have an idea, Jerry? How about you? <laughs> well, no, it's not easy. See, I'm, I, because I'm sure that if a guy was, was, was quietly lounging over the harpsichord in, in an elegant salon off a boulevard in Paris, and somebody says, of course you realize, Philippe, that this is the age of reason, uh, he would have been looked upon as a, some kind of a nut, you know. It was later ages. Oh, you think they're going to call it the end. <laughs> but, of course, this is something that man has always thought. If you go back to the early writings of even Plato, he was predicting the imminent end of it all. It's all going to hell. This is, this is a persistent belief. 
On the other hand, we also believe that everything's getting groovier. So these two are contradictory all through history. You know, the end. In fact, uh, I believe it was uh, Stendhal who began a book addressed to the citizens of 1931, which was some time after his death. And he says, you wouldn't believe how miserable and how rotten it was at this time. <laughs> yeah. W.O.R. New York. Now it comes with the news with John Scott.